pamięć, rozumiesz? Ty masz tutaj być i masz na mnie czekać, ponad mnie się czeka ze mną, się jest kurwa i mnie się planuje cały czas, rozumiesz? So, first subject matter is Sala Samobuichu, Henrik. What is this film about? Ah, uh, was this the fastest starting ever in this podcast? Now this, this very much could be the record on when it comes to actually getting to that point. Yeah, uh, but fool you. But Henrik, World Health Organization, its primary care f- physician's uh, suicide prevention guide, has a sequence of questions for possible suicidal people. Do you feel helpless, unhappy, Henrik? Well, I, I am a film podcaster, after all. Do you feel despair? Well, bi-weekly, every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like you can't last the next day? <laughs> hell, hell! I, I, I feel like I can't last this session. Do you feel that life is too much of a burden for you? <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know about life. I, I don't know about life. The podcast and you, most definitely, yeah. But <laughs> do you feel life is not worth living? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I, I mean, c- come on. We a- actually bi-weekly every Sunday. We two come together to talk about things that are not real and not real life. We come here to talk about talk about fiction twice every every month. So I, I don't know. Maybe you and I we have a problem when it comes to you know actually living alive. Well, I can't argue against that. Do you ever think about killing yourself? <laughs> Is that even a mystery? <laughs> like, you can, you can. For for that question, you can just go go through our backlog, and you know. <laughs> the honestly, these questions are, are are a little bit. I don't know. Like everybody probably would give the kind of quote unquote wrong answer for this. It would make me look like a suicidal person if I would answer these questions as well. So you know. But honestly, I'm all right. I'm still here. Still here, as is Henrik, my friendly co-host. Yeah, we we kind of have to. We have to be here, yeah. whatever we we like it or not. Because, because you know, after two weeks, we have to once again do an episode. So, yeah, like a couple of days ago, I I, I gave a little bit of a lesson for for primary schoolers on podcasting, and uh, as you kind of uh, as you kind of eloquently p- put it. What was it again? There are easier ways to to ruin your life than to become a podcaster. Yeah, this is a trap. This is a trapping. You will be stuck with this if you take it seriously enough. Well, I guess I guess we do. I don't know. All right. So we studied media and started a film podcast. Every other week we talk about international cinema here. Sometimes we go to Hollywood. This week we're going to do Poland once again. What gives? It's probably my history with Poland. That is, it, it might very much be your history yeah, with Poland. I don't know, no bias whatsoever. But 
What are we talking about today, Henrik? We are covering the rest of the filmography of John Comasa. Oh. Uh, yeah, a director who has previously been visited in, in this podcast. Was it like a year ago? Uh, it's starting how, how to long be, is it? yeah, something like that. Yeah, God, we have done this for ages. But yeah. yeah, but we previously we did one episode where we centered uh, purely on on his his more religious feature Corpus Christi, uh, which is translated something in in, in Polish. Boże Ciało. Uh, yeah, precisely that. And today we are taking a look the last three of his four feature films. Absolutely. So. Yeah, I, I thought that Jan Komasa is one of the more fascinating, maybe the most big names uh, in, in directing and film-wise in Poland right now. So I thought it would be a really good idea to look at the rest of his filmography. His first film especially is something that really seemed to resonate with the, with the youth and uh, it made kind of huge waves and was quite successful internationally as well. Yeah, we're talking about the three of his big films that remains to be talked about in this podcast. Those are Sala Samobutsu, or Suicide Room, and The Hater, Hater, and Miesto Czerczystyczteru, or in otherwise Warsaw 44. Kind of a Second World War action flick, or what could you call it? But Jan Komasa, he was born in 1981 in Poznan, Henrik, alma mater of National Film School of Łódź, famous film school in Poland. A lot of talent, seriously, a lot of international talent coming out of this school all the time. His family is very artistic. He was raised in Warsaw and his father played a role in Schindler's List. And he, Jan Komasa, was able to meet Steven Spielberg, which of course made a huge impression. And then he considered filmmaking as a career path. That's one way of trapping yourself, I guess. Talking of his other works that we're not going to delve deep into tonight, uh, he recently has been doing the Ultraviolet TV series uh, by AXN for Netflix. And it's a collaboration with scriptwriter Wendy West, who has worked, for example, on Dexter. Also, the star of The Hater, Maciej Musiawowski, has appeared in in this series. He has also directed the Warsaw Uprising documentary from 2014, where it uses actual archive footage from uh, the Second World War during the Warsaw Uprising. And they have colored these pictures, as well as added audio and made it into a kind of a fictional story of sorts. How is it fictional? I, I, he- I have heard the, the similar claim that it's somehow groundbreaking in the way how it incorporates fictional elements, but I haven't seen the doc myself, so I'm kind of curious. Well, it's kind of like you, you would have a soldier in one image, and, and I'm pretty sure that the, the, the filmmakers were not able to know what the hell was being said during each, each of these shots, because, you know, it's just random archive footage, and then they kind of all have lip-synced in some way what they could have been speaking there. And, and I understand this way they are telling a story. Okay. 
Well, sounds at least pretty interesting experiment. Yeah, it had uh, 700,000 viewers in Polish cinemas and was indeed released in the same year that the Miasto 44 was released, so tackling these same kind of uh, topics at that time. Yeah, I understood that that was done the, done the whole project as some kind of a celebration of the of the anniversary of the Warsaw uprising. Indeed. And then there is Ode to Joy. It's a triptych or triptych? How the fuck do you say? It? Feature film. Three directors uh, were working on this and there are three short stories in the film. It's quote, three stories of young disillusioned poles of different background and region of origin. What binds them together is that they all meet on the bus to London shortly after Poland's entry into the EU. Unfortunately, haven't seen it. And in 2003, there is this film that is more accessible, I suppose. The short film made in the Woods film school times of Jan Komasa directed the film at age 21 with the help of Woods film school called Nice to See You from 2003 or Fine Gestes and it won the third prize at Cannes Film Festival. Well, it's a film that doesn't tell you what is really wrong, but uh, there is a character, the, the daughter of a father, as it happens, and the father visits the daughter in this dormitory or this flat where she resides, and the father wants the daughter to come back home. But there is some kind of a schism between these characters. The daughter goes looking for tea all over the goddamn dormitory, is not able to find it, is doing different stuff, and in the meanwhile, the father is already leaving the premises. Kind of an interesting thought-provoking. Unfortunately, I didn't use too much time to to delve too much into it. But uh, well, any thoughts, Henrik? Not really. Like uh, since, since we once again are looking at the director, the larger take on on his films, it's I would say our job today is try to find some commonalities between the movies. Gotta find out what the director is saying. And when it comes to his his first short film, I really didn't find that much common ground with his with, with his larger feature movies. It's very obviously it's it's done during the film school days. Like there, there is that that student quality to uh, to the short and kind of what I saw in it, saw in it that can kind of a tie to this larger theme that that Komasa kind of comes back to in all of his movies would be the disconnect between between people hmm. in in nice to see you I my my I kind of took it that the the daughter is is constantly making connections she has made connections within the dorm she has friends she has people who who turn to but while while she has made those connections yes she has kind of somehow lost the connection to her to her boyfriend and to her father so there is that that kind of a 
Uh, kind of same way as, as in Suicide Room. That, that you have you have your close ones, your, your loved ones, your family. And that connection is somehow broken. Then you have this another community or a group of, a set of people. And where you have broken the connection to, to, to those who naturally would be co- considered to, to be your close ones, you actually have a tighter connection to that second set of, of characters. This film is accessible and completely legally for everybody who goes to YouTube to which film school's YouTube channel. There's something that somebody called Piotr Pwabushevsky has written about the film. Quote, Komasa has managed to show people who actually mean nothing to themselves in a neat, condensed form. You can go to bed with a boyfriend without even knowing his real name. My friend will let her worried head rest on her shoulder, but a moment later, without a hint of emotion in her voice, she will ask for the money she has borrowed, end quote, and so on and so forth. You can read the description under the video, so. But, maybe moving on to our prime victims of the night. There are some kind of heavy thematic connections between Suicide Room and the Hater movies, so... Maybe we could first start with the film that is kind of the odd one out. Miasto Stereo so. That might actually be the best, because Miasto is 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 perhaps the weirdest <laughs> single film from from Komasa's filmography. And I I kind of fear that if we would insert Miasto between Suicide Room and The Hager, we would kind of break the flow. We would start with with a heavy topical movie and quite slow burn one, and then all of a sudden would talk about Miasto and then return back to to heavy slow burn. So I, I don't know. Perhaps perhaps we can kind of open this episode with a bang and talk about the most Hollywood-esque movie in Komasa's filmography. Yeah, perhaps the most successful film of Jan Komasa as well and probably the one with the biggest budget but uh, yeah this was made in 2014 as a kind of an anniversary of the Warsaw Uprising events uh, the script was already written in some form in 2006 and so it took eight years to produce there was a lot of lot of lot of financing that was put into this film it got kind of mixed reviews if you look at the DVD extras, of course, of the film, you see the war veterans in, in the crowd seeing the film at the, the kind of the central stadium of Warsaw, where they gather to see the movie. And many seem to have kind of only positive things to say. I don't know. <laughs> it's quite fantastical sometimes. and I don't know how, how much that resonates with people who actually might have experienced this events yeah i i don't need either um the key, uh, case with miasto is that it's it, it's kind of much it's kind of hard to at least i find found it kind of hard to say exactly where komasa wants to go with this film in many ways actually because if you take the central characters you have the protagonist who yes, loses kind of him, himself, 
loses his kind of will to live or he's actually in sort of a coma catatonic state for more than maybe 80 percent of the film and just standing by the windows while things are about to explode and i don't know if i should feel that way but i do feel that it's kind of irritating that the, that the that the lady character has to save his ass all the time not because she's a lady or whatever but because she has to save her so many him in so many goddamn times from the situations and and, and it's only by the end of the film when he starts to kind of wake up yeah it is it's 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 a case where where the main main female character pietronka like our our point of view character stefan he's he's almost like comatose yeah. for most of the film and has to be dragged from point a to point b by pietronka this of course uh, that the film makes the case is is result from stefan's traumatization as as he witnesses the some some of the horrors of uh, the the siege of of Warsaw and and so, some of the personal losses that that he goes through, yeah. but even even though even though there is is understandable character emotional reason mm-hmm. for Stefan being like he is, it does not change the fact that well Stefan still most of the film. Is is completely kind of a cut out both action and emotion wise from the events of of what what goes around him. He's so closed off into into his own world in in those moments that whatever happens, it just happens around him. It doesn't happen truly to him, and he ceases from being an active part or active participant in his own story and just becomes a character, someone who is being carried by someone else. That is true. And I don't know where the film is kind of going with this because Stefan is being Stefan. He He's always just leaving Piedronka somewhere. And despite that, Piedronka is always coming back while not looking particularly happy about it. And then... You know, they come together by the end of the movie once again. They randomly find themselves. And and then what? What what is what is the kind of a what is the story of the goddamn film? It's just showing us kind of a separated events happening during the Warsaw Uprising, highly fantastical in a way of slow motion and kind of like a bullet time oh, events yeah. happening here. Actually I I kind of in a way I understand that this would probably not really be workable for people who actually experienced something like this in Warsaw Uprising, but I I don't have a problem with those effects per se. In fact, those effects are the reason why I chose to buy Corpus Christi later in in the local store, because I found that this is kind of interesting, that this this, this guy is kind of creative and, and personal, and he could probably do something or something great as well as he did with the Corpus Christi Oscar-nominated film. Well, I I must give Komasa credit that Miasma 44, it's a war film that I have never seen another one like it. <laughs> I bet. Like, <clears throat> and, and and with that I mean, it's it, it's one, one of the funniest war films I've seen. <laughs> I, I, I was actually cackling. <laughs> breaking like, laughter 
as 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 the film was going on and that unfortunately does not work well for the film itself to me it led into a major disconnect w- with the movie where i i i started to see that the film as 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 kind of a comedy like a wartime comedy uh, so, something like where you have have a crazy bunch of characters uh, who go go into the adven- funny adventuresque story behind behind the enemy lines there's nazis over there and you know you you work your f- way through them it 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 started to be me like kelly's heroes or, mm. or so, some of these these you know american war comedies and then all of a sudden that the film still tries to go extremely heavily into the the, the dramatical end like like you have a lot of of well if you haven't gotten used to it or, or depending on how how much war films you've seen either cliched visuals or then extremely shocking visuals this is this is kind of a question of exactly how much war war media you have consumed you you have you have the implied rape of a of a civilian the image is shocking. It's also an image that basically everyone ha- have done. You have mass executions of civilians. Once again, image is shocking. Also, you know, name me a film that hasn't done that. Um, you you have very graphic fight scenes. You have a whole piles of bodies. Once again, everything that is as as images are shocking also something that you have seen and that the like that the film wants to you to to be shocked and be appalled by what you are being seen it, it wants you to to kind of feel this or i i'm guessing it wants you to feel feel this this emotional drain as you are being exposed for this for for the human cruelty that that I very strongly believe did really happen in in Warsaw during during the Nazi siege. Right, right, but even the graphic scenes where somebody is, for example, the staircase scene where the, of course you you shouldn't ever smile in a war movie because you get your fucking head blown off, and it blows off in a pretty graphic way and a, the way that it's pushed is, is kind of something from. I don't know, some overblown horror film. Uh, and maybe it was trying to be realistic, but I felt that it's pushed a little bit too much to be kind of... It's, it's starting to be very cartoonish in, in a way. And yeah, of course, we were talking about all of this kind of a intentionally misplaced, as you said, humorous scenes. There is one scene where they're walking, is it underground, and there's some techno music playing. I, I believe this director has something for techno music because it's also something that we get in Corpus Christi and soundtracks in general, some of which are pretty pretty damn good. But uh, yeah, they, yeah, there's that and then the bullet time kiss, let's say. Yeah, and to me, uh, the, the major problem, since you mentioned these scenes, to, to start off with, with the staircase scene, uh, my my main, main like 
the, the problem that started to form for me was a bit before before the staircase scene as they are storming the building in which is very lightweight situation. It, it's almost like an adventure movie. They're like like in in its feeling. It it feels like uh, this kind of like casual uh, adventure where there, there's some danger but nothing too terminal could, could happen to these characters which i i do do get i do get at this point still because that that does feed from from the 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 way how the characters think that the Warsaw uprising is gonna go where it's just going to be this this short three-day Stitch, they just quickly say fuck it to the Nazis and do some shooting and then it's over and they can go back home. So to, to Stefan and his friends at that point, the uprising still can be just, you know, a zany adventure that you do. Like this one summer when we uprised against the Nazis. And in that way, the, the, the tone of the film still holds true. Then comes the, the first casualty of their uprising or the, for, for that group. One of their friends, as you mentioned, gets shot in the head and it's, it's very graphic. And Stefan witnesses this point blank, like looks his friends straight into his friend's dead eyes, which now is, is what was, this is kind of a heavy emotional sink moment in in the film this is this is kind of a moment where stefan understands what death and war is like and it's supposed to hit him home that holy shit this is not an adventure this is this is like a real thing and that death is followed by a scene where stefan storms the the room where, where the nazis are just before that, they have thrown grenade in, into the room, so there has been an explosion. Stefan storms in and and sees those bodies there, and notices that one of the Nazis has not died. Nazi pulls a Luger. Stefan tries uh, tries to to run away. Uh, slips from a severed hand lying on the ground, like steps on the hand and slips, mm. and like that. That's kind of. I I I I laughed at at that moment. At that to to me that that was comedic. It's it's the same thing as in in Alien Covenant, <laughs> where where the film is showing you that oh my god the alien is bursting into into a person's back and there's there's a pool of blood on lying on the med bay floor, and the characters run into the pool of blood and they just slip and fall over, and you, you laughed at Alien Covenant. I laughed at Miasma Forty Four. That once again, from there we we kind of resort back to the the this is this is an adventure feeling for quite some time. That the cinematography is extremely bright, extremely colorful. Nobody seems that they are too traumatized by the events. Not even Stefan, who almost got shot. He's kind of a I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. All the characters are fine. You are being shown that, that there's a child soldier. In, in the in the uprisingers group too yeah uh, no 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 this this yeah. is the little kid kid who climbs into the tree to you know be a spotter to to tell oh, if yeah. if the Nazis are coming they are now at the graveyard they 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 are taking a break there 
that is this really small kid who who is part of the the group and they they raise him to the tree like work as a spotter for us and there's some casual talks how some character explains to Stefan how, how they are really in deep shit and well this is war and it's not gonna be over in three days in the in the background you see how the kid now being shot falls, falls from that tree all havoc breaks loose and then you have this the moment when Stefan is is slow mowing through through Nazi gunfire at the cemetery. And you're kind of like, oh, oh no, no, no. Yeah, you have, have, having having the max pain, pain feelings where you, you know, instant bullet dodge. And from there you get to the, the kiss scene you mentioned. There's a there's a Nazi patrol that that goes eye of Pietronka and notices her and open fire and Stefan like leaps through the air. Before this, the Nazis open fire, Stefan leaps through the air, catches Pietronka and they dive to, to safety. And following that, they both stand up and they share a passionate kiss. And the Nazi gunfire is, is coming straight at them, but all the bullets miss the two lovers because the power of love. That's how I took it. Yeah. yeah. Literally kind of. Doing the, the uh, well, okay, they are they are maybe ricocheting f- from the walls, but in a way that they will change direction still, you know. Yeah. At will. Yeah, you know because because you know when Warsaw uprising happened, I I guess those people just didn't love enough. Like, would have made them impervious to bullets, <laughs> says, says the film. And and from there we once again we get get to well from there we get to the implied rape we get to the the mass executions of civilians we get all, all this really traumatic war stuff Stefan gets becomes completely kind of a disconnected from from everything he breaks away from his military crew he essentially defects or becomes a deserter at that point and Piotranka tracks him all over Warsaw from one safe place to the next. And then one night, Stefan just, you know, just chooses to, to, to leave his, his one girl, the love of his life, and, and returns back to the, the war band that he has pre- previously deserted. And, and then has, has just, you know, casual sex with another woman. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. this being the being comma, and and th- then there is the there is the the dressman walk techno sewer scene that you mentioned, where they all walk in in really cool poses, and there's like there, there's that that like slow movement. It's it's re- it's really cool, and I'm thinking, what the fuck is going on? And you could even say that the film is a little bit. If you want to see it that way, it could be also depicted as a juvenile, juvenile film, in the way that okay, you know, there is this young guy who has graduated just the which film school, famous film school, and here I am, and I know all the filming techniques, and then he decides to do this this kind of a fantasy World War Two film as one of his kind of first features. It kinda 
feels like that. I I don't know. I don't know Juminal, but yeah. it it very much feels like Komasa is pulling all the tricks that that he has gathered at this point just to show exactly how much different techniques he he knows how to use like here's a bullet time 3d bullets going on here's a bullet here, here's a slow motion walk scene here's a point of view from from the barrel of or you know from from a gunner's point of view it, it that's actually pretty neat i must give it that much but there, there's like all these different techniques at play and yeah. at some time point it starts to feel like Komasa is just showing off and I thought that the, the the kind of a perspective of the gun was a bit distracting it took me out of the film I'm, I'm afraid it it does that it, it does do that yeah I but... I, 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 I to, to kind of go go back on my my statement. I did really enjoy it on a technical level. I thought mm. it looked cool. It it was a nice view point of view. It's not too often used. But though it's now like a video game. Yeah. It actually made it look like a video game. Yeah. And Ju- juvenile is not my own word actually. I should stay say say that say that but there have have been some online opinions that say that it's even even juvenile and I and I can see where those opinions come from, because uh, once again, this is this is the moment where that the, the film feels like it it's two different beasts. Like you you have the really heavy stuff, which is the wartime atrocities, mm. and then then you have those bullet time sequences, and and you have the slow mo walking, and and all of that, and you know. That can also be be described as juvenile. But what I did really enjoy in the film is actually kind of the last shot when it transitions from the CGI exploded bridge that uh, I suppose it's kind of connecting the the Prague with the with the center. Yeah, this is the view, and then you kind of skip to the modern day and you see how Warsaw has changed and how it's now blossoming and it's kind of like the director saying that you know you, you should remember your past yeah it is of course it's it's borrowed from scorsese's gangs of new york but i i do think it it works pretty well here it, to me it also since we have been discussing about exactly what the film tries to portray i i think that that's where you actually find the answer. To me, this this read a hell of a lot like, like Gangs of New York, where the film takes this this concentrated moment of time, and from that that moment of time, it tries to show you a transitioning into a modern day. Like Gangs of New York is is supposed to portray you one moment of of the societal upheaval within within New York within America and and through that moment that that moment of upheaval to show you kind of kind of the, the societal and emotional way how America was built it it's not like it, it does not go through the history of America but it from from taking taking a like like lo- looking at essentially something like 
one year in America's history it tries to portray you exactly how how the American spirit kind of came to be. And to me, Warsaw 44 kind of aims to do the same. It, it tries to show you exactly what happened in in that small moment in Warsaw's history and how that led into the, the Warsaw of today. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel that Janko Masa was kind of a good choice for this film in a way that he, I don't view him as some as someone who is perhaps, if I, if I could say, overly patriotic. You know, the Polish cinema scene is known for portraying World War Two in a way. Like there's still so many World War Two films coming from Poland that it's crazy. It's kind of their favorite subject artistically in cinema, and I th- I think from this film at least it doesn't come off that it it would be this kind of a overly patriotic or trying to completely misrepresent or make these characters look overly heroic. Those there are those crazy heroic moments. I'm sure there were such of a upheaval feeling as well that you know I'm going to come at you and trying to shoot you as much as I can before I die type of scene um yeah I'm kind of mixed with that or, or not, not really mixed in general but there, there is a one scene well that the, the Jewish liberation scene that happens where, where they they find a group of of Jews that the Nazis have captured And they set them free. And with that scene, I was kind of wondering exactly why is this here? Like, what is Komasa's point? Uh, I don't know. Of course, in Poland, there is this occasional talk that there is there would still be a lot of uh, anti-Semitic feelings in Poland. And I don't know, maybe he wanted to just present the Jews Uh, in the film, that they would not be definitely forgotten in the film. Because it feels that in some public discourse, of course this is talking very generally, but my my feeling is that in some public discourse there is this kind of anti-Semitic feeling sometimes raised, or the the Jews are kind of forgotten from some of the talking points. So maybe it's something like that, who knows. Okay, could be. Because in in that moment, the only thing that I was actually thinking about was the fact that, well, even though in the film at this moment they are setting the, the, the captured Jews free, that they are, the Nazis are dead and they are, they are telling them that you guys are free to go. In reality, they, the Jews that they now have set free, they don't really have anything to go to because during this time, uh, Polish people were extremely ready to, to kind of take the property of the captured or the imprisoned Jews for themselves. This 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 basically covering all that that the Nazis didn't take themselves, like land and property. The the Jews who managed to that Polish Jews who managed to to survive Holocaust then had to re-enter enter the world where. They now found a Polish family living in their house, living on their land. And that family was not gonna gonna go anywhere. So 
they that the Jews now found themselves homeless. And even though Poland is one of the countries who have signed the Teresin Declaration, which covers the, the Holocaust era assets uh, and related issues, as far as I understood, Poland has never followed up the the, the legal regulations that that declaration imposes. Yeah, this is kind of the the, the influences of Jan Komasa, the film. Like, I feel that it's like combining, as you said, all the different kind of ways that he has, he wants to, or wants to, it's kind of, this could be some kind of a student budget film, but it's just received this kind of a million dollar production um, budget and and he's pulling off all, all this Matrix, Max Payne, slow-mos and techno music and a lot of crazy CGI effects. Uh, it doesn't totally work. It doesn't. And the unfortunate downside effect of, of it not working is that it kind of harms also the, uh, the scenes that, that you are supposed to take much more serious. And he could have used those effects maybe in a more serious fashion. Uh, something that also kind of bothered me is, is that a lot of these scenes, they transition even we inside that one scene from, from one emotional tone to a next. Mm. Like, to try to give you a couple of examples where I'm coming from, there's the moment in in film when Stefan has just seen... His, his mom and his little brother being executed on, on the street by the Nazis, and he's, he's traumatized. This is the, the moment when he's completely catatonic. He comes across Pietronka, who now, now starts to, to drag him around, and they, they come into this, this street where, bomb, and bo- where bombing has happened. And the scene starts with people panicking. And, and yelling how there are people trapped in inside of some uh, a basement of a fallen down building and that they need help and that people are dying. Uh, uh, so, some hospital has been bombed. God knows what. And within that one scene, the tone shifts all of a sudden from, from this, oh my God, please help, people are trapped and they are dying, to extremely joyous. When you have a whole group walking down the exact same street that was bombed five seconds ago, celebrating the fact that somebody has found an abandoned Nazi tank and they are driving the tank down the street and, and everybody is like, yeah, 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 go us, happy, happy, happy. And then all of a sudden the tank explodes and it starts literally raining blood, mm. which once again is... is Going back into this is extremely horrible, but because I was already caught up in the in the joyous yeah 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 moment, or or, or the, the the feeling of, of that moment when the when the when the rain, blood rain happens, I actually was just laughing. I was just like jo- giggling there, <laughs> and and this is followed by. Sometime later in the film, they they have to make a hasty escape in the, into sewers. Yeah, well, it's kind of like, you know, you have some light moment where we're having some hope, and then the hope is once again crushed at that same second. 
that that could be what Komasa was aiming at, but to me it 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 just didn't have that effect on me. Yeah, pulling the rug under your feet. It, it kind of did that. I I did find myself, like I said, uh, laughing at moments, which I'm fairly certain that Komasa meant to be extreme, extremely horrifying and heartbreaking, but I just didn't get into that emotion. What did you think about the the lead actor playing Stefan? Stefan, who is played by Aku Hirviniemi, born in Riihimäki, a Finnish actor, theater and television background. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't too too wild about him. I don't know if if this is the actor or if if this is the character. Yeah, this yeah, it's played actually by Josef Pawłowski. And has starred in Polish films and a Northern Irish crime thriller. Might be also kind of a famous product product of his. Bad Day for the Cut from 2017. But you will need some serious subtitles to get through that movie because of the accent. Unless you're from Northern Ireland. Uh, yeah. I haven't haven't seen anything else, else from him. So can't really say what is his range, but... I didn't get into his his performance in 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 Warsaw Forty Four. Once again, it's the, to me it it came off extremely one note. But I don't know if this is because 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 of the actor or, or because of the character. Because to me, Stefan also is is really hard character to pinpoint. He yeah. he does. Kind of constant, completely baffling decisions as the as the film goes on. That the biggest one, in my opinion, w- is is the is the abandonment of Pietronka to her own luck. As as Stefan now all of a sudden decides to to join, uh, rejoin the the uprising group that he has once been part of, and and from there you just get into these moments where. He is unfaithful to Piotronka, who he still has feelings for. So he essentially Kama is is reduced to be just a side hoe for Stefan, in lack of a better term. Stefan also appears to be extremely petty about the question that that when the when the fo- first fight scene with the Nazis happened and Stefan managed to grab a hold of, hold of Nazi Luger, he was not allowed to keep the pistol. Yeah. Because one of the, the most repeated plot points that Stefan is most passionate passionate about in course of the film is is his need to well to, to be able to hold a pistol. Like the, like Stefan having a pistol is is a plot point that is revisited in in the film, in a major fashion. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, I it 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 all makes Stefan seem extremely petty. Yeah. Well, and, he, you know he have he has lost hope, and nothing has any meaning anymore. His family has well, been well, shot to death. Well, the pistol has pistol has a hell of a lot of meaning. Yeah. Pistol is 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 more important to him than than the love of his life. The special effects are done largely, if not completely, by a company called UPP. I don't know if you check the DVD extras how much, but yeah, it's it's nothing 
special, I believe, in special effects circles, but it, it's kind of a giving pretty nice tour of all the visual effects that they added into the scenes. And they shot at least some scenes in woods where there were where there was this, you know, it's a big factory city, and there's happened happened to be some kind of a factory ruins there, and then they added uh, elements there and made it look like a war zone. Okay, so uh, I think that pretty much covers Miesto Forty Four for now. We will get back to it in our summa summarum section. But uh, would it be a suicide room at this point? Uh, well, why not? Um, Suicide Room and The Hater, I would say, being the films that mostly make the meat for for today's podcast. Si, senor. What's your experience with the films, Henrik? Never actually seen them before. When it comes to Komasa, well, the, the podcast has always been my... Well, it's always offered me my first experience with, with any of, of the films. A Suicide Room is something that I bought on, on DVD on Amazon a little time ago, just to kind of complete my Janko Masa collection. Here we as, as a star in the film, we have Jakub Gershau playing Dominique, born in Krakow, father is a theater director. The guy, Jakub he lived his first 11 years in Hamburg, or Hamburg, then returned to Poland. So, artistic family. He's a Polish Film Award nominee for Best Actor for Suicide Room. Won Shooting Stars Award that year as well. And got another Best Actor nomination for 2017 biopic movie, which also deals with drugs breaking the limits. Jakub's debut was in All That I Love, Wszystko co kocham, in 2009, drama which was selected as the Polish entry for Oscars, but wasn't selected for the shortlist. And of course, Suicide Room. And then he has appeared in a minor role in Dracula, Dracula Untold from 2014. Which actually is a film that I have seen. I just don't have any recollection of, of, of the actor. Which doesn't surprise me because, well, I haven't seen the film, but uh, I understand it was a minor role still. The Lure 2015, Churki Danzingu. It's a Polish horror musical, a retelling of the Little Mermaid story, fairy tale from Hans Christian Andersen. Morris from America, 2016. It's an American-German comedy drama, a small-scale release. But you see that this guy is really, really, really trying to get to the international scheme of things as well. He also appeared in Spoor from 2017. It's kind of a heavyweight Polish circle film, Pokot by Agnieszka Holland, the director. Uh, it's a Polish crime crime film. Agnieszka Holland is also a huge director in Poland. Always worth looking into if you're going to dabble anything in Polish cinema. All right, I think that covers Jakub Kirschow. And Suicide Room, Salasama Buitsuv, premiered in Berlin Film Festival in 2011. Uh, where do you want to take it from? We have Komasa saying something about the film, which might kind of kickstart our investigations here. Quote, I would be careful with the audience too young, under 15. I would rather not risk it. And by the age of 18, it is best to watch the film with adults. The movie is very strong and intense, and it talks about dangerous things. It may be stupid to talk about it, but there have been a few hysterical 
cases, reactions during the screenings at the Berlinale. The film sometimes evokes extreme emotions, end quote, from Ktojest Kim Salisamo Boitsuv documentary film. Yeah, is it stupid to talk about the kind of the, if we change gear, if, is it stupid to talk about the subject matters that he's talking about, or are they rather talked in a stupid fashion? Um, depends on exactly how you uh, ask that question. Uh, is yeah. it stupid to talk about the subject matters? Most definitely not. Are they talked about in stupid fashion? That kind of depends on, do you mean in general or in this film? Yeah, I think this film partly suffers some kind of Miesto 44 effect in a way that it has a lot of important subject matters, but then when it comes to kind of building on them and, and, and satisfying the experience at the end, bringing it to conclusion, it's not completely there. I agree with you to a point. Um, Suicide Room is a film that does have some problems in it, and there are points that could have been addressed perhaps more thoroughly. Uh, when it however comes to Miasta 44, when it comes to the ending, I actually find this really fascinating to, to compare this movie to, to Miasto. Uh, because filmmaking, quite often, it's, it's this kind of a rope dance that you do. It, it's a balancing act. There's a hell of a lot of things that go into movie making. There are, there are basically in every scene you shoot, there are like 50 different things that can go wrong and can, well, fuck up the scene, perhaps even in some cases, fuck up the entire movie. So there, there's a hell of a lot of things that hinges upon and a lot of risks whenever you make the film. It's always a tightrope tight dance. Absolutely. And the, the reason why I want to emphasize this point is because Suicide Room and Miesta 44, at least to me, appear to be kind of mirror opposites of each other. Miesto starts with, well, it's it's based on a real historical event, that the Warsaw Uprising, which, as far as I've understood, was extremely, extremely horrifying and, and dramatic moment in time. Overall, the Nazi invasion of Poland was something that a, a lot of untold stories stems yep. from that event. So when when you press play for the first time, you are kind of with the movie. It's it's very easy to expect expect that this is film that really is gonna work for you. You are really gonna love this. You have seen a lot of really great war movies before. You know, you're saving Private Ryan's, your Thin Red Lines, your Patterns, your, your The Unknown Soldiers. So you are with the movie when, when you first start, started it. And then as the, as the film progresses, it, it just 
kinda starts to tumble down into more or less a disaster. And you are just just kinda looking at kinda dumbfounded like Whoa, how what 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 is going on? Oh no, no, don't please. Oh this is your feeling about the film? Uh it's my feeling about Miasta forty four, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm and, just making the comparison between this in the sense that in Miasta 44 you have a lot of plot elements that are not really, I think, driven to the conclusion and nothing is kind of done with them, many of them. It's not really the case, case here. Maybe there are some elements that are not really fulfilled that well, but definitely uh, we're talking about a much more, I, I think, better built film. Uh, we are, and this is some, something that, that kind of filled into my take as, as Suicide Room and Miesto being mirror opposites. Yeah. Because when it comes to Suicide Room, on the other hand, uh, when the film starts, you, you are kind of on the edge, because, well, in case you didn't already deduct it from the title, Suicide Room is dealing with the topic of suicide. Really hard, extremely heavy heavy topic to approach. And as the film starts, you kind of start to see the, these these red flags just popping up. You have your emo main character. You have the depiction of, of second life, of all things. You, you have the family dynamic, which is kind of, well, how it is. So like I said, the film has problems. And Suicide Room is a very much a film that that builds up towards its end. Like, the entire fil- film, you you notice this in, pretty soon as the film starts, that this is going to be a movie that ri- rides or dies with its ending. The entire movie is building up to the end resolution of, of its story. Okay. So, a lot hinges upon from, from how the film lands its ending. And as you are watching it, you are kind of constantly being like, oh no, oh no, 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 oh god. This is going to be an absolute shit show once we reach the conclusion. And then you reach the conclusion, and at the conclusion, where Miesto 44 suffered from the fact that Komasa didn't show restraint, in Suicide Room, at its ending, Komasa shows remarkable amount of restraint and does, in my opinion, not really fuck up the ending and actually ends up making a film that that you come off like, this actually is working. Like, holy shit. Even even though you were dead certain that that this is going to be a dumpster fire once you reach the conclusion, all of a sudden you find a film that that you actually think is pretty damn good okay yeah a lot of interesting points right there but let's give a little bit of a roundup of what the hell we are up against here tonight so this is a film that yes was kind of influential and a big hit in poland also a film that definitely poland had not really seen before and this is coming from this first-time feature director, directed in 2011, Janko Masa. And, 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 oh boy, yes, indeed, a very tough subject matter. And here it comes. It's, it was a huge kind of a teenager phenomenon, I would even say. And maybe the biggest question, insofar as you can read uh, 
kind of people's reaction to the film is that does it depict the suicide matter in a way that is is fair and is it okay that young people see this kind of film and what does it want to say for these young people and that that's a lot of questions of course but i would go with Yarko Masa here that this is something that i'm not sure i would recommend for people under 15 for sure or even under 18 necessarily because these can these might fuck up the kid to to you know the wrong direction on the other hand it could it's also what i think the film is mainly doing is is communicating to the audience that yeah please don't do this and recognize where the faults lie in parents have to take responsibility for one for their kids and kind of look up to them a little bit more and see where they're going and you cannot simply just concentrate on your career and ignore your your children yeah i i, I don't know about the the danger of of this kind of a fucking up anybody i i don't see this really having having that much power o- over people i would also per- perhaps recommend the film well not to anyone under age 15 mm. i i would tra- draw the recommendation line to, to 15 year old not because that the film itself is is really that that dangerous or because I would believe that there could be like like harmful harmful side effects with this film. Not not also because I I would think that the film is, would be, be so horrifying that you would you know get nightmares from from seeing it. When it comes to well, it it mostly is actually pretty tame movie when it comes to visuals and presentation. The very last shot, shots notwithstanding, it's uh, the most roughest treatment you are going to get. It's is at the very end, and even in there, you don't really get anything that graphic. So, on on that level, I. But the reason why I kind of see this as as a as a you know fifteen plus movie would be the subject matter, and kind of because. Suicide always is is very heavy. It's very loaded. There's a lot that goes into into the question of suicide, both in in philosophical and in societal form. And I I do think that that a film that tries to have or tries to make a serious argument about suicide is, is perhaps a film that can you you get more perhaps from from that movie if you experience it a little bit older when you perhaps have already have your first touches with the questions that come with that tie to the topic yeah i think it's coming from a very very right place and i really love the shift that happens at the end in a way although i'm not sure still kind of what what the th- how should i read everything about it but the fact that sylvia is the character who are here who is kind of an evil character who lures dominique into this 
world of de depression. Also, maybe give some kind of a support, but essentially she's selling a lot of these bad ideas that I want to die, give me pills to kill myself. And then it shifts, and after having spent time with these ideas, Dominique then seems to have kind of shifted his views towards that maybe I should kill myself after all and use these pills instead. But it's, I, I thought it was kind of interesting that he was in the toilet kind of throwing down the pills, but then it's kind of a, he, he kind of... A, it's kind of a battle of, of the brain. He doesn't really want to go there and, and put those pills down his throat. But then there is some kind of a force that kind of takes over him and uh, he takes them anyway. And uh, as we have talked about before in this podcast, uh, suicide is not the kind of thing that just happens out of the blue. Here, well, it's got, I guess the same, same kind of uh, analogy works here, that if you have a gun, you're more prone to do gun violence. If you have pills, you're more easier target for suiciding yourself if you have already any of those thoughts here and i think that that works here i think this is something that could totally happen i haven't been suicidal in my life so i can comment further but i would say that this is fair i on my end i didn't actually experience sylvia being any kind of a bad or evil character in in fact to, to me i kind of saw more Sylvia's kind of, or, or I better saw Sylvia's place where she was coming off from character than than Dominique's position, and this may be something where perhaps, well, since we mentioned that the film does have some problems, this may be something that is is result of those problems. One of the problems that the film does have, to name two, would be first that Dominique's. Dominic's family, when it comes to the family interactions, they are actually quite heavily on the nose and quite cliche. Like you, yeah. you have the the not caring parents who are like super not caring. I know. Like these parents couldn't give a, give a less shit. It's a miracle that these parents even know what their son's first name is. And most likely that is because they had to once write it down on a birth certificate. Then again, I fear that this might actually be kind of a reflecting very real situations sometimes in in Poland where, well, it's not only Poland, but I feel that there is some kind of a disconnect between the parents and, and the children, in a way, coming from kind of a completely different eras. And the other one is really oriented towards their career and and they're speaking kind of a completely different language sometimes. The disconnect does exist. Yeah. That, that's, there, there's no even even a question about it. Any, anyone who who spends any time with, with well, teens, youngsters, kids... You you name it, especially anyone who also spends time with their parents will pick up that there is a disconnect. There's also also the the, the kind of a, the, the broken language that you mentioned that exists also. Uh, when it comes to being this level, well, I I wouldn't say like like might be some cases, 
but I wouldn't say that is in any way is is typical. Mm. But coming back to the kind of a shift that happens that was in- interesting is that now Dominic suicides himself to give slides, uh, you know, spoilers in this podcast, but nothing new. That's what we do here. And then Sylvia, after years and years, the three years of being apparently in her flat, comes finally outside and just to scream at the yard. No, which way was it actually? What was it that in the end Sylvia had some kind of a feeling that she wanted to leave and obviously she cared a great deal about Dominique. Sometimes somehow this is a huge it's a huge emotional moment for Sylvia that Dominique leave, leaves this world. Kind of Dominique leaves and Sylvia stays at least for the duration of the film. Was it just kind of Sylvia's angst? Did she really want to kill herself? I wonder. Supposedly, yes. In in my my opinion, most definitely yes. Yeah. When when it comes to to Sylvia's and and uh, the the portrayal of of a self harming suicidal character, and I I don't know if if this is this is the script or if this is the actor actress, and this of course also is is a topic where. There is no one type of of self harm, one type of suicidal. Like, like there, there is no mode for su- uh, for depressed or suicidal people. So and and with that out of the way, you can't really say that any any cinematic portrayal of of such person is ever really complete or whole. And Everyone who comes across as a, a suicidal person, of course, has a different experience on what what type of people or what what type of person that person is. But I would say that that Sylvia was actually pretty interesting depiction of a self of a, of a person who has self destructive tendencies, mm. and and even even actually remarkably believable depiction of such person maybe it's just the case that she doesn't really have any motivation to talk anybody on on a webcam but that she was just using dominique from the beginning to just get those bills of course later she finds feelings towards dominique but uh, it, it's that's the kind of the starting for, point for me and it's the starting I, point of the fall of dominique thanks to sylvia i kind of took it that 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 the feelings were there be- before the pills. But uh, how do you feel that this suicide room is any kind of a support group for anybody here? Well, Dominique says that she he gets a lot of support from this group. But then there is the name suicide room, of course, and then there is the subject of Sylvia and the fact that they're all trying to kill themselves. So what kind of support exactly? Of course, Sylvia all the time mentions that, you know, you're Dominique. You're not the kind of person that wants to leave this world. You are the kind of person that wants to live, which I guess wasn't the case. Uh, when it comes to the, the whole question, is suicide room a support room for self-destructive personalities? It's 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 kind of hard to answer, really, because the, the, this is one of the areas where what is supportive is not really clear 
like apro uh, answering the question from the point of view is suicide room a, su- a support group for suicidal ten people suffering from suicidal tendencies in the typical matter like you and I would easily understand a support group no no it's not there is there's no like like orderly granny type of lady in her knit sweater offering tea and biscuits and and being being don't don't kid yourself it's it's not in like like that does not exist in in suicide room this is very close bubble of people who all share at least some level of of self-harming tendencies and who are in in the risk group of of self-harm and there is no any kind of outside outside authority or any presentation of any character or any person who would not share these feelings and would still be part of the group or or the room but then again when we are dealing with with these type of types of emotions when we are de- dealing with this type of of kind of disconnect from from the world you might not actually get the support you need from that granny you actually could find even more and better and more quite more helpful support for yourself from a group of people who actually share the exact same point of view that that can emphasize with the way how you feel because some something that often plays a part when it comes to the idea of of you supporting someone who who f- is in risk of of self self harm one major factor is is the fact that do you really understand where that person is coming from and you can't understand it truly unless you share the same type of feelings like if, if you ha- haven't ever been suicidal if you haven't felt it you can't really truly understand how a suicidal person thinks or how how he or she feels and sees the world and because of that you can't really ever truly connect you can try to do it and and you can be a helpful influence for that person but there's always going to be that 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 disconnect that stems from the fact that you never truly ever understand what that person is going through and this is why i think it's a really important discussion that the film is evoking here and maybe it's kind of a helpful for this generational divide and for for both sides of seeing what is wrong with each side and how can we get more closer to each other in a in a sense yes in a and at the other hand at the same time no uh because at the end even though i did uh, find some really good depictions of a self-harming personality especially in case of sylvia i didn't think that that the film like it, it didn't manage to open that that mind space enough for this film to work any kind of an educational piece on exactly how self-harming person how how what what that person is going through but you said that 
this film really seems to work here. What was the part that really worked for you here? Sylvia, essentially. And the fact that I didn't get the feeling that this film was actually shaming and condemning suicide. No. The the main problems that I have when it comes to to, to the way how the, the film approaches suicidal tendencies is 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 the fact that th- there are two problems. The, f- the first one is is the fact that Jan Komasa uh, y- decides to use extremely artistic depiction of internet message boards. Uh, he uses this for storytelling and dramatic effect. I can understand why this is done in in cinematic like in cinematic sense, but at the same time I do think that in here the artistic depiction takes so much room from well from the suicide room itself. You mean the film or the actual room? The actual room. That the virtual space that the film shows to you. Then again, the film spends a lot of time in the suicide room, I found. It, it spends. And even to it, a point where it might be irritating for some people. It, it spends a lot of time there, yes. But what does it do in, in suicide room? Well, How much suicide room really, really like makes you understand the mind space of a self-harming individual and how much does it show you well there's a burning a burning tree that that somebody blended into the background and animated yeah but there are some things that you get more it's about i think what, what can lead into a suicide still even if it doesn't really talk about all of the reasons but you know well, when it comes to what can lead into suicide, this is where I think the, the second kind of mistake happens. And this results from the fact that you are, your point of view is, is Dominic, who obviously at the beginning of the film does have problems. He's self-withdrawn and obviously that the family is, is dysfunctional. But at the same time, you don't really know what is is the mental and emotional coming off point with the character when the film starts? Like during the first minutes, you are not aware exactly how deep in depression and in, in suicidal behavior Dominique is at this moment in time. And this becomes problem because the timeline of the film actually, in my opinion, is kind of a nightmare to follow. It gives you a ticking clock, which is the the final exams, which happens in was it of in 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 one hundred days. So you have some time frame from there, and then the characters make a point that at some point during one point in the film, Dominic now has been closed in his own room for ten days, and at some point, Dominic also misses the final exams. So from the beginning of the film to the very end of the movie, over 100 days has days have happened. But you don't exactly know how many days and what is the emotional point of Dominique in any like in, in any given moment in film. Like when when ever parents mentioned that the final exams are coming, has has it now been does Dominique do have 30 days, 50 days, 60 days, how much he has still time. After the 
the, the, the exams pass exactly how how much do, like how many times that the, there has been since the exams was well, well, to the ending of the film it's something that the parents are very worried about that they they want their kid to be in good mental health so that he will be able to graduate do the matura but it it's not something that the film itself really cares about it's just the, just the parents head and it should care about that question because since the film does in my opinion does not manage to tell you exactly how deep in in suicidal thinking dominic is in the pre- beginning of the film that time frame actually starts to propose the question exactly how quickly dominic does become a suicidal if he's not that in the very beginning like in the opening shot of the movie when you first meet him at the school if he's not suicidal then then that the, means that it's it's 100 plus x days and Dominic comes from not suicidal to suicidal. And that's kind of one, one from one to zero. Like, I, I had two Skype calls. I'm now thinking about killing myself. I didn't, I didn't get that. There are the some plantations done there when, when this video goes viral with Dominic kissing with the other guy who seems to have some kind of a nefarious goals by the way interesting that the friend character seems to have zero consequences when it comes to the video whereas in dominique is shit talked around the school and even when there's this second video done with this kind of a shadow shadow hands <laughs> but but doesn't doesn't the shit talking start only after the judo incident well there's the there's the kiss. And, but, and... but everybody comments positively about the kiss. Like, that there are remarks to the kissing video, yes. Like, in, in the film, that they are having having a prom. To those who haven't seen the film, that there's a prom dance, and during the dance, that the kids get a bit tipsy, and they start to propose dares to each other. The guys dare two two girls to kiss, kiss each other, and the girls make the, the counter dare that if we kiss, you two have to kiss also. And then they both kiss, and makes Dominic and his friends kiss. Somebody films it, and it's put on on social media. And Dominic follows this post and and sees the sees these comments how how it's hot and how they really seem to enjoy it and it 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 it. And well, at this point, still Dominic appears to be kind of smiling to these, so so they are not really harming him. These comments, everybody seems to be well, still on the fact that well, it was it, it was a joke that was done on a prom. No harm, no fall. Yeah. Later in the film, they have a, the the judo practice where Dominic ends up in in a chokehold, and during that hold. Dominic gets an erection and orgasms, which is something that his friend sees. And the friend tells other people about what happened in the judo. And after that, the comments, they they change. Completely. Like, like yeah, like, like with the kiss, it, it was just f- like fun. It, it, it was a joke. But now Dominic is being painted out as gay and the sexuality in the film 
kind of goes all over the place. We could see that this is maybe Dominique kind of experimenting himself. Obviously has some kind of a sexual feelings towards the, the same sex, but seems to also have some sexual mannerisms towards Sylvia's direction. For example, the, the fantasy dance that happens in the bar later on. And so some commenters have said that, well, this gay stuff is not really driven into completion. I didn't really see anything to complete here. It's just a kid who might be a bit confused or might be a little bit all over the place. And might be just bisexual. Might be just bisexual, also. yeah. And that's it. So didn't have any problem with this. But yeah, the attitudes completely shift. I find that this uh, is great because this film is still treating young young people seriously, taking the young people's position here, a movie for young people and mostly succeeds in, in the storytelling. What happens now after after the sperm judo incident? Did you have any, any problem here in the follow-up? Uh, not, not really, except the, the occasional cringe factor perhaps creeps in in some scenes. Some scenes were kind of uncomfortable to watch. But the internet public humiliation is something that starts to work on the psyche of this kid who comes from a rich family background, basically has everything, even has a personal driver to drive him around. But still he feels empty, maybe as empty as some poor person. Or maybe like a person as Sylvia, who doesn't seem to be coming from any kind of a rich background. Yeah, Dominic is, is from the get-go, Dominic is, be, it is clear that there's some tensions in school, that there's some bullying, even though, in my opinion, it seemed extremely mild when you are first shown it. This is before the judo incident. And Dominic obviously is very sensitive person. Interesting point happens where Dominique is encouraged, once again, by Sylvia to kind of change his appearance or just do what the hell he wants to kind of to, to battle the bullies at school and just look them directly in the eye. It's a kind of interesting point raised. Should people be more worried about people who suddenly change their appearance into emo or start behaving differently? Could this be people at suicide risk? Well, quite often that's that's being tied into well the risk of school shooting in in public discourse. Uh, somebody drastically changing his his public physical appearance. It's 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 one of those that quite often are given to you as a red flag but of I... a transforming school shooter, which of course is perhaps depending on your take bit problematic in the film also because this is also the moment when Dominic himself brings the pistol to the school. He does. He can't quite get there to start shooting people or anything, but brings the gun to school. As, as mentioned, the film is kind of heavy on the video game subject. Here, though, I don't think that you have anything to complain about the video game aspect. It wasn't brought into the table as something negative itself. It's just a way of communication and not negative as a video game. Uh, not, uh, in, in, not, not in the sense how, like how the film portrays video games. It's not showcase, uh, making the statement that video games themselves are bad. 
the video game that the film presents to you, however, oh boy. Like, not, not a big fan? Don't you want to play it? Have you Gary, ever ever heard you know this latest craze among craze amongst amongst the youngsters? It's called the internet message boards. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, there's that. But it's much cooler to meet in a virtual room, right? It, it, it is, it is, it is. Yeah, yeah. I I too have seen Second Life once. <laughs> it's it's not like that. You you can't. God fucking damn it! You can't really eavesdrop personal com- communication in a in an internet message board. It's, it's what was that it's, it's, super shitty game that was played on on your browser from Columbus? Oh god! What Hoppo Hotel? Hoppo Hotel. <laughs> yeah, it's it it, it it it's not like this place. Let me tell you. Yeah, well, this has a little bit more advanced graphics for it, starters. It, 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 is, it, it is an artistic representation of, of <laughs> what, 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 what a Hotel is. You, you, can, you can physically banish people with, with, with mind barriers. <laughs> but yeah, I really thought that, that what, what in the end really made Suicide Room was, was the ending. As as mentioned, there there were a lot of points where I was really worried about the direction the film was going to take. the The biggest one for me was was the moment close to the end when Dominic is getting the pills and he he even does that the whole goddamn life is the most. Per, per, Precious gift you have, and how can you give it up? You're so selfish. Yeah. Speech. I I wanted to actually tackle that one. It's a quote. Actually, I don't understand people who kill themselves. One's got to have courage to live. They are cowards. Narcissistic egoists who think the whole world revolves around them. How can you give away the most precious gift you have? How can you do it? To yourself and your loved ones. I don't understand that. I don't want to. You live to give others as much as you can. End quote. Th- this, I hope, it's yeah. not the director's thought process. But what is the director's thought process in putting it here? I believe it's not something that we should agree on, right? Most definitely should not agree on the, this. Since you asked what was cringe, this most definitely was cringe. I was ready to gouge my eyes out when this happened. But, 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 once again, to, to showcase the ending, the reason why I think this scene in the end works, why it does not take the film down, this is what the, was the biggest red flag that came, that popped up. Mm, yeah. And the, the reason why I'm so positive with the film is precisely because as, as it is closed... Dominic fucking kills himself at the end of the film, which frames this as not a real statement. Yeah. At least to me, uh, this is something that he simply spills to the the shrink so that he can get the pills for himself. And I do think that like when when I talk about restraint, when I talk about the danger the extreme danger that the film could go into a ra- completely wrong direction. This is, is, is the biggest example of it. Well, like, well uh, Dominic says this line as a spit of anger towards 
Sylvia as well. I didn't really get the anger at that point. Like okay. that that was not my reading. It was my reading because Sylvia started to feel really uncomfortable with the words. Well, that 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 she did. That she did. But I I didn't think uh, it's a piece of art. So one can't declare his his reading correct over the next guys. That's how we read, read it. You know, it, it's completely valid. I just didn't read it that way myself. Kind of funny, by the way, if, if you think about the whole internet, because the guy was connected to the internet for, let's say, almost 100 days, if you if you want to think it that way. Now the parents think like, oh, maybe we should disconnect this guy. And then again, what could be the consequences of that? Should they disconnect Dominique or not? I get kept kind of battling with this. Probably, yes, to get the situation solved in some way for, and hoping that he will not immediately try to kill himself. Well, once again, really hard to, to answer. In Dominique's specific case, perhaps disconnecting the internet was the correct choice to make. Then again, Dominic was a goddamn jackass who didn't realize that he's 18, which means that he could have done an internet provider agreement on his of his own and have his completely own internet. Oh, it was Seriously. 2011, I mean. Maybe well, we... well, the, the film makes a repeated point how Dominic is, is an adult and now can, you know, decide for his own. So he ha- is in, in legal capacity to, to, you know, have his own, very own internet connection that his dad can't stop him from using. I think it's just a, just a thing that uh, if Dominique, he kind of counted on that, if, if he would have taken his own internet connection to the room, then he would have a hell of a fun, fun time to get rid of that contract once he wants to end it. Because in, in Poland, you just simply do not sign off your internet contract. Uh, that 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 could be that could be perhaps the internet provider would have come after dominic beyond the grave like you you still owe, owe us you know fa- fa- five months for for payments for internet yeah or the provider would have been like well in order for me to make this connection work we need to provide you a new modem so we need to come in and he would have been like ah! no one's gonna come in here i don't know then again, when it comes to the film and it depicting, you know, working solutions in the in the situation when when your kid has has barricaded himself into his room and won't come out out, Dominic's dad most definitely should have beaten the wife much earlier because that <coughs> apparently is the one trick that gets Dominic out of the room. <laughs> That's true. Like, yeah, d- domestic violence for the win. Yeah, wife beating has been vilified for nothing for all these years. Just on chance comes out. Father, who is played by Krzysztof Pieczynski, has appeared in over fifty films since '79. Also, some may know him from Jack Strong, Polish political thriller about Richard Kuklinski, who was a Polish army colonel in American Central Central Intelligence Agency during Cold War. Perhaps we should also mention Sylvia because you are kind of saying good things about Sylvia, played by Roma Gonzjorowska, 
born in 1981 in Bydgoszcz, and is an actress and fashion designer. Hasn't acted in a, quite a while, but I believe fashion is doing well. Now kind of connecting Salasama Buitsov with the sort of sequel, Hater, which is kind of some kind of a Marvel Extended Universe thing. In the Polish title you have the Salasama Buitsov Hater, but this, these are quite different movies, but they tackle with some similar themes. They do. The both films kind of deal with the topic of of internet and social media, its effect on on people's lives and and the society. Also, there's the there's the disconnect, the societal disconnect between groups of people and individuals. Yeah, the, the things that connect all of these films, we can. Probably are going to talk about that. Salasama Buitsu deals with the topic of the suicide, uh, being an outcast, mental health problems, and social media playing a big part. The hater as well, it's about being an outcast, I would say, and mental health issues, pushing somebody to a corner, social media and video games, and society in a kind of a crisis, more so in the hater. Yeah, and and since we are tying these these films together, I think that this might be something that, well, we we can also bring in once again Miasma Forty Four, even though in in Miasma's case this didn't work. Miasto. But Miasto, well, fuck it, Warsaw Forty Four. Yeah. But we were kind of asking why in Warsaw Forty Four the main character Stefan does not exactly work. And I kind of would think that it actually would be because of, because of the attempt at at unifying theme in in Komasa's films. Like we mentioned, uh, Suicide Room and The Hater they deal with uh, some type form of of disconnect, and both films take a pretty critical look on on humanity itself. And I think that Warsaw 44 was also attempting to do the critical look as as that seems to be the 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 kind of kind of the, the main statement that Jan Komasa constantly makes. He makes it in his short film, he makes it in Corpus Christi and and Hater and Suicide Room. All of these films are actually pretty critical of humanity and the world surrounding the main characters, also the main characters themselves. But there is kind of this 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 critical judgmental take on the world from Komasa. And with War, for Warsaw 44, perhaps because it was supposed to be an anniversary film for the, for the actual uprising, perhaps because it was such a big budget feature, or something like that. Komasa, who as an artist wants to be critical, all of a sudden found himself not really finding who to be critical of. Warsaw 44 is really critical of Nazis, but then again, you know, being critical of Nazis is like the easiest stunt in the world you can do. So if if Komasa as an artist wants to be a critical person, Nazis don't necessarily cut it for him. 
So he needs another target to criti- uh, th- who to criticize also. And perhaps in Warsaw 44, he, for the aforementioned reasons, he couldn't criticize the movement, the uprising itself, that harshly. So the only tool left for him would be the main character of the film, Stefan. And that actually could be the reason why Stefan, in the end, in, in the film, is is quite the horrible shitbag that he is. Because Kamasa feels that he has to criticize someone else. As well. Yeah, as well. Not just the Nazis. But are you making a reference that in The Hater there is no clear point of criticizing? In in Hater there is a really clear point yeah. of criticizing. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things to criticize that he does criticize in the film. Uh, so, yeah. For me, I could say the most interesting product from Jan Kamasa in many ways. The Hater was released in Poland on 6th March 2020. Who was in the cinemas? Me! Just like a week before the pandemic hit in the way that it shut down all the cinemas. So I was one of those sort of lucky ones who got to see it on the on the screen in the theater. So yeah, this was one of the first films that really suffered due to the COVID-19 attacking the cinemas. And to mitigate these losses, of course, the film was then acquired by Netflix. And hopefully that's been profitable. For sure it has generated a lot of online buzz because of this Netflix appearance. And people have gone blindly into the film many times from all over the world and have provided tons of positive feedback as well. I hope this is working very well for Jan Kamasa. The film recently won the Best International Narrative feature on Tribeca Film Festival. As the lead actor, we have Maciej Musiawowski, comes from a family of artists once again. He started his career basically in the TV and series Druga Shansa, The Second Chance, from 2016 to 2018. And in the following years, as mentioned, did some ultraviolet TV series with Janko Masa and Kot Genetichny TV series from 2020. One recognition from critics for his role in Hater. This is his kind of big breakthrough. Beata is the reappearing uh, character in this film. I was also in the Suicide Room. Played by Agata Kulesha. Has been acting since the early 90s. She played a part in the film Ida, which was the first Polish film that ever won the Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film. Definitely a must-see for anyone interested in Polish cinema. Born in Szczecin, near the German border in the north. All right, what the fuck is going on in Salasama Buitjuv Hater? Well, it essentially is a case study on exactly why Facebook and Facebook marketing are the absolute like bottom of humanity. That is one really interesting point that the film is tackling with. Yeah, that, did you say that that the hater? Is is political movie or politically topic uh, topical movie is, is kind of an understatement. This is very mm. much a film that stems from well that the, the political discourse that we are now having even even globally and a, a film that very much seeps from the founding that was the Trump administration. And anything that that went into the administration before and during its time. 
Yeah, social media plays a big role in this movie again. And here it kind of tells of how dangerous tool the weapons of mass posting in a sense can be. Kind of estranging people, making people confused and splitting people into extreme camps. Yeah. Um, to to, to summar, su- summarize Hater really quickly, it, it, it's a story of, of Thomas who is a, is a law student who gets kicked out of the law school because, because of plagiarism. And, well, he his studies have been funded by a, a close... A, a family that is close friends with his dad. And upon his being expelled from the school, Thomas, kind of a force on nothing, he, he loses his... Kind of a station in in that friendly family's eyes, and becomes a disgrace to those people. Uh, Thomas, who perhaps is is also suffering from mental health problems, I would say, yeah, it's a possibility that then he's just you know absolute shitbag of a human being. He falls into this PR company who does well. Essentially, like targeted online bullying. Yeah. Somebody has has a product that is competing with with another person's product, and the PR company was it PR Bus or what was the company's mm. name? Specializes in 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 the end creating harassment and fake news campaigns that that target to that product or individual, so that that. They lose footing on on social media and has to f- withdraw. And Thomas is is signed a political campaign. There is a major major elections are coming up, and there are two competing candidates. And Thomas is hired to essentially undermine and sabotage the, the liberal candidates' campaign. To do whatever it takes to cast the candidate in the bad light so that he loses the election. Thomas also sees this as an opportunity to take revenge on 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 the on the friendly family that that had previously financed his studies because he fears that he's been has been betrayed by 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 that family. That was kind of interesting because it's showing you how many factors can can come into play in kind of anything you after all you see only a small fraction via the news for example of what the hell is going on in politics here the politics are getting played into very murky direction thanks to a personal conflict that didn't really have anything to do with politics per se but then it got transferred into politics for vengeance yeah the the, the main target for Thomas is is the family. He wants to somehow hurt and and destroy the, the family. Yeah. There, there's a there's a case of case of lost pride and also well the the case of of lost well well a target of one sided affection. Uh, when it comes to this uh, right wing political opponent. To, to the left-wing opponent, let's say. I couldn't help but just laugh when I saw this 
and he has these rounded glasses, <laughs> and he looks totally like the Prime Minister of Poland, Mateusz Morawiecki. So I think this is making completely a, a statement about the, the the fucking backstabbing and authoritarian ways in in which the PIS government is running things in the country. So yeah, yeah. it's it's also kind of making very strong statement about well the political atmosphere in Poland by you know everyday Poles at this well at this moment yeah yeah calling calling the right wing protesters debilit or fucking idiots o- overall showing the the protesters themselves uh hater is a movie that plays with the themes like uh, islamization islamophobia the, the immigrant crisis that we also experienced in Finland, and overall the the rise of of violent mentalism against something, some group of people, and and the clash between between the right and the left. Yeah, totally. Which is dramatically clashing in Poland as well, and it's easy to see for. Polish people from one side to fall on this rhetoric that yeah, yeah, this guy is bringing the whole Islamizacja in in our country and destroying us. When it comes to Tomasz, though, I don't see him as inherently evil in the film or completely psychotic by any stretch. There are several scenes which show that he's an empathetic character who also cares for Gabi, the girl. Tomasz, of course, is, is not a great guy also. He spies on people. He goes ahead with his employer's wishes to destroy people's careers just like that. Which raises this kind of psychotic point where, you know, the, as you mentioned, the same company is now running two campaigns that are totally opposite to each other. So on one side they are supporting the left-wing candidate and on the other side they're trying to dist- destroy him. And Tomasz has to play both roles or he doesn't have to play but he does play them kind of takes the work from his uh, colleague Camille so that he can start to you know uh, destroy this family that is causing him a heartbreak and it's related to the campaign of the left-wing candidate yeah it goes in a way that Tomas is trying to help the left-wing candidate but then because he wants to do this revenge then he starts to play both of the roles for him and against the candidate. And he can do that. And he takes the takes the job role of the against from this Camille guy. And he basically logs in with Camille's passwords into the computer and starts running both of the campaigns. What was your take? Was he ever really helping the, the left-wing candidate, you know, simply because he wanted to do that or because it was his job or was it just, you know, a way for him to get get closer to the candidate so that he can cause more harm to the family? Uh, my reading is that, in my opinion, he, yeah, he, he starts to kind of infiltrate the, the candidate project because he wants to get this revenge going on. But on the other hand, when he starts doing that, he starts to care for for the candidate and they become closer and he becomes basically kind of split person personality in a way where he wants to help him but then 
he also has to be against him. Yeah, the the reason why I, I was interested in in your reading is because my reading of Thomas is is quite different. I saw Thomas as as an irredeemable asshole. Like you you said it that he's not a completely bad guy, and to me he was nothing but a bad guy. I I didn't see basically any any redeeming qualities in in the guy, but, and but, but, I I was. Kind of certain that, that for example, the left-wing candidate and Thomas's work under him is something that, you know, could, could kind of showcase where our readings differentiate. Yeah, he is a very, very bad guy, Thomas, but from the expressions of him, you can tell that he also cares for the character, but not, not enough to, you know, do any good deeds by the end. Like, there is this... There is this empathy and apathy split all the time, in my in my opinion. So he spies on the people and tries to destroy carriers. For one part, the, the film touches on the topic of throwing your morals out of the window in favor of following the orders. And <laughs> it's an interesting topic for someone who has worked, f- for example, in a call center like me. And this is kind of what you do. You need to switch off your emotions and do what you're fucking told sell sell or here destroy destroy lives but it's a very kind of a shrapnelly story in a in a sense that there there's a lot of points of criticizing it tells the story of the shrapneled reality if, if you will also because we don't know what to believe anymore we don't know who are the good guys and the bad guys so to speak there is this juxtaposed that comes from the social media for the regular people there's the violence that it brings uh there there's the psych psychotic behavior aspect of thomas if you will there's also the fact that that the liberal to- family that thomas targets is a revenge also is a pretty shitty household when you really look at it look at it yeah there's no really good guys in this film right yeah, not outside of, well, maybe Pavel, the, yeah. the only decent person in the entire to- story. Yeah, that that guy is actually pretty likable. It's a, it's a story of manipulation and provocation, and how it's so easy to shift the public nar- narrative here with the power of social media. It's also a very shadowy film, in 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 the way how how the narrative works. That there's constantly like. All, all the factors in in the film are constantly trying to somehow one up each other, and there there's a you're never exactly clear who is pulling and what strings. But who gave the the original like like the the orders for for the PR company? Who who or who who is the original client? of the co- company and what is the aim goal what, what is the aim, end goal of the company what is the end goal of the client there's a lot of shadowy ways in which this company is working of course and it's pretty pretty terrible the way that it's treating its employees like this so-called Pocahontas character and everything that it kind of does is kind of hush hush not necessarily written in in the agreements in any way yeah, like this is a story where where Thomas spends a notable time 
just trying to figure out who he really, in the end of the day, is working for. And and trying to figure out maybe who he is. It, it, this is a young guy that kind of gets kicked out of the school and then gets adrift. What now? Who am I? Where do I stand? And it's kind of also, I think it tells how important it is to understand that it can take only one one provoked so-called mentally ill or sociopathic or psychopathic individual who who can influence our reality when given the chance in a position of power. He takes it really easily, that pedestal, and people die. It also tells us that there are multiple reasons for any any results. It's not only one dumb fuck of a prime minister. It's a lot of stuff happening here at once. There's a lot in the, let's say, in the invisible spectrum. As I said, there's aspects that you don't see and how, how much would we save lives and how much faster would we progress if people would have some kind of a, kind of a basic training in, in media reading skills that we have also discussed in the, in the, in the podcast before. Human psycho- basic psychology, to get a grasp of that, your outlook on world simply cannot be um, truncated uh, and apathetic and angry. It cannot be that if you have a basic grasp of human behavior, the reasons for certain behavior and how we can understand each other better. It comes from understanding basic fucking psychology. Yeah, if something the film shows exactly how easy it is manipulate even large masses of people and how easy it is how easy it's to drive individuals to do incomprehensible acts of violence. It's so easy that it's really scary. This film is very current. And I suppose it can be current at any moment of time, but it certainly resonates during the Trumpistan eras, from which we hopefully can move onwards. But I'm not sure, so convinced that we are, have moved anywhere quite yet from that well, we won't really for quite some time. And it's much thanks to social media. Look at what happened now that Donald Trump has been kicked off from the platforms. Like, of course, it's more invisible once again that what is actually the people's feelings and will people follow him uh, when he might re-emerge on some, some of, his, of his own platform or whatnot. But the amount of influence that he had via just Twitter... Here we also tackle homosexuality a bit, but uh, here it's unfortunately used as a weapon against the politician and kind of left at that. Something something that works against him. There may not be anything else to touch upon in, in homosexuality in, in this film. Just something easy that you can still use against people in Poland. A very big discussion topic also right now in the country. Well, it's it's big discussion topic, I would say globally. When it comes to elections, when it comes to how voting behavior and and well, how political candidates work, it's it's all it, it's kind of a, it, it's a mess. It's a it's a combination of of multiple different factors. The candidate has to be human, but not weak. 
he has to be controlling but not overtly so candidate can be a racist but you know he can't have a wife that cheats on him for example when it comes to using sexuality uh, as a weapon well it's not really that long time it's it's less than eight years ago when in finland uh, president, uh, presidential candidates homosexuality was used as a campaign weapon against him most likely mm. not not as as in hater driven by the opposite campaign through a pr company but but you know by everyday voters the the legitimate question brought up back in those days was that can we really have a gay president yeah and as it turned out yeah no we couldn't apparently not yet but yeah, it's not something that I think you can use in Finland as a weapon against a candidate anymore. I think that's rather laughable in 2021. Here. I wouldn't be holding my breath, really. Like I said, the previous time is, is less than eight years ago. Mm. I don't believe that, that we have really progressed that far. Uh, how effect mm. effective weapon it would be... Yeah. Hard to say, but it was weaponized just recently, and it did work at least for, you know, X number of people. Yeah, I, I don't really see that there would be a similar, similar type of discussion with your staff if you would be going into a gay bar and somebody would find out and film you. Then, Sure, there would be people that would probably not vote for you, but would it be such of a big... Oh, I fucked up, type of a situation. Well, maybe not the same effect, though, here. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the, the, the whole, basically, the, the, the candidate who won those elections, he, his wife got weaponized by his own campaign mm. as, a, as a positive driving force, how to control people to vote for the, what I said, candidate. Not dropping any names here, but... But yeah, the, the, there was like the, there was a consistent media and and also uh, also like pre-scripted role manipulation that that campaign played or used to, while, while the campaign was in effect. Yeah. Once possible voters started to react positively towards the wife, that the wife's media presence was automatically was raised. It, it became larger. They also started to much more clear, uh, clearly control and handcraft that media pre uh, presentation. Also, the, uh, the public presentation. And then it became a question exactly how much stage time we can give to the wife versus, versus the actual candidate. And that was, that was like calculated. It, it's this many minutes. That that's was how, how how the game was played back then, and I really don't see that. Well, we have progressed that far yet in in Finnish politics from those times. No, but st still, we are far ahead from Poland. The director touches on really brave topics. I would say uh, suicide. Well, that's kind of universally brave to raise it on, on discussion but then religion is a really dangerous territory in Poland as it's really a very influential and big part of the country 
And then touching on politi- politics and homosexuality, and mainly politics now in, in The Hater, that's brave and very timely, uh, as I said, in a country where, for example, we have this massive uh, demonstrations against the abortion law that was put in place just recently. There, there were incredible numbers of people showing up in Warsaw from different parts of the country to show in opposition against the decision to basically make abortion impossible in the country. And a country that is still very opposed to to homosexuality or very opposed to so-called other uh, outside influences. A country that thinks that has certain values that they have been holding for a long time. Now there are things like homosexuality that are outside influences that are destroying the country. And you have now a country essentially where you have the LGBT no-go zones, LGBT free zones, as you might have seen those those signs next to some small villages around the country. Which of course EU has EU has denounced you can do this shit and they have taken some of the payments away from these these villages who have made themselves or declared themselves officially as LGBT free zones. Nevertheless, EU should be doing a hell of a lot more than just sending angry letters. Uh, then again, it's a, it's a question exactly how much and what EU can do. It can't mobilize yeah. the army, it you can. know, and invade Poland. No. But what is the hater, Henrik? In the hater, it's a it's a uh, hater who has been manufactured by the society, created by a sick society. Hatred brewing hate. There's a lot of hatred in this film. There's this hatred against different groups of people. Hatred against the uh, Islamization, so to speak. Also, hate against the family that has been close to your dad, or is close to your dad, or something. Connection never truly established here. And what do you think about the, the, the ending? In in what form? Like, what what happens at the ending? How, how does it end? Or was it good? Or... Yeah, or how, how does it leave you feeling? Like, who, who won? Nobody won. I think that at the end, Thomas wins in, in the film. Um, not as as spectacular as as we he was hoping for, but well, he he manages to keep his job, and he manages to get the revenge on on the family that the family is is now emotionally broken. Yeah, the the, and, the, the family daughter dies actually. Yeah, in in the attack that Thomas orchestrates through his machinations. And, and god damn that is a dark attack it it was surprisingly realistic i must uh, admit uh, that the cgi blood yeah no to, took some oomph away from it miasta 44 same thing yup but as a scene itself the attack was was well pretty realistically portrayed in, in the sense how i would believe or vision that that type of attack would would happen and play out and i would say that he is not a complete asshole also because he i think he tr- tries to save rudnitsky well rudnitsky is already dead but he tries to do something and he comes off as the hero 
of course you can just say that he's trying to protect his own ass and make him look like the like the hero and and you see also that he has some polices investigating on him not completely convinced that he is completely flawless here but as the you know the public campaign goes now there that Thomas is the hero yeah so he essentially gets away with everything that he does he achieves most of his goals uh the question does he get Gabby at the end that's left open and unanswered that the possibility is there but it's it's never made clear what happens next with between the two of them but that that would be kind of the only defeat Thomas at the end really receives yeah not a happy ending and kind of leaves you in a note that there's actually a, a lot of small aspects that is fucked up in the political and societal nature of our world today and i think it's kind of open interpretation in the end what happens now like with the gabi like you said such is the protagonist thomas weren't they playing the beethoven symphony number nine the fourth part so-called diehard diehard music during the murder scene the attack so it's 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 the same that they use in die hard in some scenes i believe they were although i have to confess that i'm not i'm not worse enough in in the classical music that i can be 100% certain yeah but it's this the faces are being flooded with with light after breaking the seventh lock and opening the vault hmm is it quickies now well we, we can try to have a facebook poll about about quickies <laughs> they, all, all of a sudden it, it tumbles in, in in the discussion about islamization <laughs> okay Co- well corpus christi first just a little quick look at it we already tackled it in one of our episodes if you want to get the, the proper treatment for Corpus Christi, please go listen to that episode of ours. There's male nudity in all of his films. Uh, something that I point noticed in the church uh, in tons of shots in the background in this film. Something that I didn't think about when we were discussing it uh, first. The central character in the film is someone who kind of heals the town. Heals the town like Jesus and then... Yeah, it's it's kind of like Jesus on a cross in the end. He's just thrown to the wolves, the poor guy who heals everybody. And the nice trick of how the film kind of appeals to all, regardless of whether you are a believer or not, I believe that's a film that you should watch. No forgiving to be found by the end. The opposite kind of story. Instead of setting everything on fire, there are people to be healed. Although they do set up a fire by the end. I don't know what's up with that. Well, let's set up the fire. Special mention for an actor goes to... Um, well, from the three movies that we've talked about today, I perhaps go with uh, with Agatha Kulesa. Yeah, great. Uh, yeah, I don't know about the pronunciations, sorry about that, but essentially, the actress who plays Pieta. Yeah, Gulesha, yeah. 
it's kind of a tough one. There's a bunch of great actors in the leads, but Maciej Musiawowski kind of succeeds in kind of playing this sort of a confused and psychotic and empathetic part in all of the same package as Tomasz Jemsa in The Hater. Well, when it comes to the three main leads in these three movies, Maché is, is the strongest one, most definitely. Yeah, maybe also a character who gets the most to do. is not maybe as flat as some of the characters in Suicide Room. Uh, yeah, I I wasn't too too impressed about like uh, about Dominique's actor. He he wasn't bad. I'm I'm not saying that. No, I think the actor is really fucking good, but the the the, the character maybe needs some development there a bit a bit more. Yeah, yeah. In in Suicide Room, he was overshadowed by by the actress who played Sylvia, and when it comes to Warsaw 44, there I think that we have the weakest male lead of, of well, Komasa's entire uh, filmography. Yeah, I don't entirely believe that sometimes his facial expression seems off. Or maybe it's just a resting face, I don't know. To me, it was mostly the, the, the resting face. He, there are moments where he shines out so some of the, the heaviest dramatic scenes like for example like for example the moment when Stefan witnesses the, the executions of his his mom and mm. and the little brother there the actor Joseph really sells sells the emotion but to me it is the resting face which I kind of felt was weak through most of the film. What resonated with you the most or the least in the product Sofia Nkomasa? Uh, that would be that would be that the emotional distance be, between the characters and the characters and the society. That's to, to me that was the, the main main kind kind of a compiling theme or or force. In, in these films, and perhaps strongly felt in, in Suicide Room, Hater being really close second. Yeah, Jan Komasa is kind of masterful in putting people from, or characters from different backgrounds and kind of making some issue build around them. He does it pretty well. Uh, for me, maybe the, the chaotic nature of the Hater, in the sense that it has no proper goodies or baddies, it's very multifaceted. In one adjective, how would you describe these films individually? Um, I don't know individually as a as a group. I would say sad. Okay. That that's like my my main adjective. Essentially, to all Komasa's films. Salasam of heartbreaking. Uh, well, juvenile, but in a, in, a, in a good way as well. For me, I, I had some fun, maybe inappropriate fun, but Corpus Christi, healing, it's a healing movie, I would say, hater, topical, 
Henrik, would you consider to return to the products of Janko Maasa in the future? Uh, not all of them. Most likely Warsaw 44 will be a film that I won't be revisiting. The rest of his his filmography, yup. I, I do think that these are films that, well, they they have a message that carries over uh, even after, you know, that the current times have passed. That's true also for Hater. It's uh, the even though it's it's really topical, it's it's not to a point that it would lose its point. You know, once once we are ten or fifteen years into the future, and most likely these are also films that I will showcase to others. Okay, that's nice to hear that this podcast has been useful to you in some way, or maybe not. I don't know. I think this is a very capable director. Uh, I would be happy to rewatch any of these films, apart from Miasta 44, because I'm not too fond fond of it. I've seen it now like three times already. But Corpus Christi and the Hater, they kind of are my highlights. They have interesting topics, and they also deliver the message effectively. And I kind of like the non-endings of Jan Komasa. It leaves you thinking, Miasta 44 or Sala they may not be as successful in in delivering their meaning, but uh, um, I, I like some of which. Any favorite quotes? Uh, no. Well, there is one, isn't there? Alejavim jaki est plantnia ja pierdoletent vui plantnia pojas nam plantnian napamiets rozumies tumas tutai pyci mas nam nie czekać ponad mies się czeka ze mną się jest kurwa i mnie się planujesz cały czas rozumies ze mną się jest i że no, je, kurwa, jest cały czas, rozumiesz? Dobra, sam tego chciałeś, wracam do domu. Sam! And, uh, as, uh, uh, and as the counter-argument goes, you are just sport, not gay. <laughs> Very spoiled. But I love that performance. Dude's on fire. Ah. Uh. Do you think the films have any staying power or legacy? Will anyone anyone remember these products? Uh, I I do they they do. Uh, why that's that that's a different question. Um, Suicide Room, I can see it's going to be have a staying power with the teens with whom it originally broke. Um, most likely will be a, a film that that will stay. Will be visited by well, but the current and coming generations of teens. Uh, also, most likely a film that that I can see will have a place when it comes to discussion about artistic representations of mental illness or suicidal tendencies. Hater has a lasting appeal, especially due thanks to its well at at. Currently, political nature, uh, this most likely will be a film that will be remembered as one of the cinematic depictions of Trump era or or the current era in in Poland. But also because because the narrative itself is one that kind of traverses time. It's even like we, we now talk about it as a political film. 
and and current film, but it's the story has the power to to withstand even the current day events. Corpus Christi, I I would say, also has the, the lasting power simply on on it on the merits of the film itself. Workshop forty four. I'm fairly certain that that's mandatory viewing in in Poland, so it it will last on that merit. Outside of Poland, I don't really know. No, I would say when it comes to Commander's works, Warsaw forty four is the one that has the least lasting power. Yeah, I don't know that there are much better mandatory watching is if you want to see some artistic interpretations of World War Two from Poland. So. But yeah, yeah, Jan Komasa, already a household name in Poland, and via Corpus Christi, this is will be a director who, who will be a director who we will remember and who will be able to sell his back catalog with no issues, I'm sure, as the audience grows as well. But after Hater, I'm kind of fascinated. What's the next project from the guy? I don't know. Maybe there's already some rumblings. I wouldn't be surprised if he'd do some kind of a big blockbuster for Hollywood next. Certainly yeah, the guy he's, he's, is international now. He He's going to do the Avengers. <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of, please. No. Hopefully it won't be a studio-mandated shit show. Would you recommend Janko Masa's films, Henrik? I would, yes, strongly. Mm-hmm. The one caveat being Warsaw 44, I'm kind of mixed. I I kind of would like to recommend it because I felt that it didn't work. As, a, as an example, watch this this funny funny film about about Second World War war atrocities. But mm, no. No, no recommendation for Warsaw. The rest of them, yeah, they get recommendations. Yep. Well, we are on the same lines. I'm going to be a little rough on And since I wasn't really able to find a compelling point for the film, I think it's a bit of a drag. But uh, I have no problem with the visual storytelling, as I've said. Then again... Miesto 44 was what opened the floodgates for my Jan Komasa experiences. So, is there some kind of an order you would put these films? Mm. Uh, really hard to say. Something that also affects here, makes me biased, is the fact that Corpus Christi was my first film yeah. from Komasa. So, I'm perhaps naturally biased because of that. Uh, perhaps Corpus Christi, then Suicide Room, and Hater would be on a place three. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's really hard to say. For me, maybe the Hater speaks the most with it, with its themes. Corpus Christi would be my second one. Suicide Room could even go on a higher position, but Suicide Room is Suicide Room is going to be on the third now, and we have to forty four as the last. Complete the sentence, Monsieur. You really know you're watching Jan Komasa's filmography. When? When you log in to the second life and immediately want to kill yourself through crucifixion because of those damn Islamists. <laughs> 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 
I still, Henrik, think we should make that Janakomansa a fantasy film. Do you remember when I mentioned that in Corpus Christi episode, that we could kind of mix all of the films of his to make some kind of a stupidity? Now that I have seen the rest of the films, I can, I can say that what would result would most definitely be stupidity. <laughs> uh, you really know you're watching Janakomansa's films when all of his male leads strip on camera and stare into the void and shed tears on an extended special close-up, <laughs> followed by a youthful soundtrack, sometimes purposefully misplaced in an entertaining fashion. Less entertaining for Henrik. What did, what did you think about the soundtracks of the films? Did you enjoy any of this? I didn't pay too much attention to the soundtracks, I have to confess. Yeah, something that raised to my attention in Hater was the Here She Comes Again, DJ Antonio remix from Röksop. Such a beautiful band name. There is the Turn Me On from Wet Fingers. Yeah, that's kind of the, the theme tune of the film, I would say. It plays in the club in the end as well. Okay, that's kind of Jan Komasa. Did you have fun? I had. Well, I'm I'm still here. Still here? Still here. Haven't opened the medicine bottle yet. No, and uh, we don't have time for that. No time to die, since next week. It will be another great pleasure to talk with Henrik about fantastic cinema. In the next episode, <clears throat> we will either watch Steven Seagal's... Oh, fuck me. <laughs> yeah, where are that fucking pills? <laughs> Surely we can go to South Korea, because this could... If 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 you let me do everything here, this will be just the South Korea the podcast. Uh, it it starts to become South Korea the podcast. Okay, so next week we are going to the Philippines, Henrik, for the first time in this podcast. Thank you for joining us. See you in a fortnight. Until then. Biedronkkahan, se on se kaikista suosituin ruokakauppa Puolassa, että mä yhdistän sen niin suoraan siihen. Biedronkka, mikä tarkoittaa leppäkerttu, ja sitten se on semmoinen leppäkerttulogo. Niin... Oh. Mulla on vähän eri, eri Biedronkkat koko ajan mielessä. It's played actually by Josef Pav... Onks tossa toi vänkä? On. Josef Pavlovski. Se on aivan ihan vehkeästi ja Jafarin paluu on aivan täyttä kusta ja Aladdin kolmenenkaan ei ole mikään mestari. Steven Seagal ei ole hyvää elokuvaa tehnyt edes pahingossa.